Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Stranger Things is once again upon us. The big moves for KD and Kawhi. And what happens now with The Walking Dead? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. Well, we've got a great show for everyone out there today. We've got Jessica Boggs lined up from the TV Ratings Guide, our man in the know when it comes to the NBA, Anthony Barberin. Another great friend is stopping by as well. A big show for us. Three great interviews. Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead also is here as well. But first, we've got some spoilers when we're talking about Stranger Things. And who better to talk about it than my good friend? He is our new Coke of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Stranger Things, I'll tell you what, it's out there. Season three is hit upon us and everybody's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. The, uh, the Have you seen it yet? Yes, and I can tell you right now their dependence on New Coke throughout the season was kind of disturbing for me because New Coke was a short, forgettable blip in the world of time. Yes, I know it's a novelty and all that. Yeah, that's great. But it was quickly forgotten about because it was such a great demand to get back to Coca-Cola Classic. Well, I, it, it seemed they were almost kind of obnoxious in their delivery of that because there were, there, was, there were several scenes of them drinking it and then... They had the big monologue with Lucas. Was is that his name? And when he's talking about like how good it is, and and he goes on for like five minutes, and I just it it kind of lost me right there. I didn't really. Well, the stuff was garbage. I'm going to tell you from personal experience, who drank it during that what little over a month, two months that it was actually out in the wild. It was a horrible, horrible experience as someone who drank Coca Cola Classic for. 40 years of his life almost that he truly enjoyed it so much. I was so angry. I was just livid at the fact that they would go ahead and emulate even closer to, it was even sweeter than Pepsi to give you an idea how that different that was. And for people who actually were trying to drink it and go through that time, there was such a big uproar. It was quickly deleted and it was quickly removed. Now it's almost like a, you know, if you're able to get actual cans that are out there, it's almost like a really big collector's item to even get cans. Now don't drink it, mind you, at this point in time, because it's, you know, quite a bit old, but it still doesn't detract 
from the overall great season. I did get a chance to watch it. I know you have as well, all eight episodes. It is available on Netflix. It came out. It is to me the, the probably the best of the three seasons. I think it closed very strongly. And I think it's because of that closure that will keep people in trance for, I believe, what is a final season four? Was it four seasons or five seasons? I don't remember. I believe they've hinted that season four will be its last. Uh, what's cool is because they set it up for something like big, like a big scale. So what I was wondering is when we come into next season, is there going to be, are we going to be in like a, not like a Terminator scenario, but something similar, right? Where the, the upside down is starting to merge with the real world. And we're seeing all these, cause you know, in the end they showed the, the Russians, right? They had the, the demigog, demi, demi dog, whatever they call those things out. And they were, it's, is eating the prisoners. So are we going to have a time jump, you know, it's like a year later and all of a sudden all this stuff is happening and we're, we're keeping up with the kids and where they're at and all that stuff. I don't know, man. I would like to see two more seasons out of it. Cause I think they kind of expanded enough to go to season four end with something big, like a, a huge cliffhanger and then end it all with season five, hopefully better than game of Thrones. But there's a lot of content packed into this because they opened a lot of boxes, opened a lot of doors, literally figuratively. And there's a lot of character arcs left open, like the stuff between, um, L and uh, Ellen and her boyfriend. Yeah, and then there uh, was Sheriff the, Hooper, him supposedly passing away, supposedly well, getting did vaporized. You, did you read the thing and the the little subtitles when they're in Russia? There's there's scenes yes. after the credits. Yes, of the last episode and it's about terrible. referring to an American, but we yeah. don't know if it's him or some have alluded to possibly even being Doctor Brennan in season one. Oh, maybe. Maybe, but I don't think they would kill Hopper. My theory is because he kept looking back at the tear, right? And my theory is either he went into the upside down to survive or the Russians somehow got him right before the explosion happened. I don't know. I'm, I'm, those are my predictions. Though. I don't think that they're going to kill him because he's such a major character. And Will's mom, Joyce, they're not going to they weren't going to spend the entire season crafting that love story and not give the viewers a closure out of it. I'm sure they are going to go ahead and work on that as well in a season four. I, I'm pretty sure that they'll go ahead and bring him back as well for season four because he is an integral part of the story. And especially now, given he got a really big chance to go ahead and shine in season three and the story arc was there. I loved Murray in this whole season. I thought he was terrific as far as it's concerned. I, I really thought as the... I guess the conspiracy theorist that actually has to get intertwined in all this because of his Russian linguistic skills. And I really enjoyed his character over the course of the season, but overall it was a tremendous season for stranger things. One of the best viewing experiences so far in 2019 that's on television. Overall, I thought it was a great season of stranger things. Well, it, it was Interesting because, you know, one, they never really explain the dynamic between Hopper and Eleven, right? Did he, he, he's, she's his daughter and he didn't really, they didn't like say he adopted her or anything like that. So that was, I mean, that was, that was cool. It, they did enough to where you didn't question the goings on, right? So like they had, they opened up with them going to see Dawn of the Dead. And then the, the Mind Flayer, like you're saying, he, the Mind Flayer was, 
controlling these people i guess like it, it kind of reminded me of uh what like cocoon or or alien right where they're injecting the eggs into them except they're not having chest bursters they're just having their minds taken over so i, was, I thought we were going to get some kind of like zombie scenario maybe like like slither you know and all the people are walking around all zombified with stuff inside of them but then you know they started melting which is weird to me and he was absorbing them i i wish they would have gone into more detail about how the mind flare was controlling them back in from the upside down controlling them through the tear in hawkins itself because they didn't really go into detail but it wasn't such a huge issue that i started questioning it mid-episode you know it's just a thing that i thought about when i look back at it but they did a great job of you know presenting these questions but still making it seem very coherent you know you, you don't you, you get enough content to where it doesn't bother you enough to want to stop watching because it's inconsistent so they did a great job with that. It was a great season. The characters were all very well developed. The, the whole thing with Lucas and Max was interesting. And then the way she did an amazing job at that scene. Max, she did an amazing job at that scene where her brother died. I loved his little like redemption thing. But like the the acting chops that she demonstrated when she was standing over his dead body and like crying like that was that was impactful. That was really emotional. So these kids, it's amazing. Like these kids have have grown as you know, both physically and in their their talents. So because you see, the acting is a lot better than it was in season one. You've seen that progression, which is cool. The only thing that kind of confused me a little bit was the editing, the way they chopped up the the last episode. You know, when they were moving, they kept jumping all over the place. So that was something I would have done differently. But all in all, man, it was a solid season. Way way better than the second season. I agree with you on that. Yeah, and it leaves enough open doors to, or enough like hooks, I guess you could say, like an Empire Strikes Back type situation where you, you really need to know what happens next. So there's not going to be any drop-offs of people watching this show this season versus next season, I don't think. Yes, and even Coke is cashing in on the Stranger Things craze with a new Coke website where you can purchase and try a batch of wonderful new Coke. Oh boy, yummy. So it is a great way to go ahead and celebrate Stranger Things. You got to check it out if you haven't already. It's the talk of pop culture right now, season three. Instead of a declining returns when it comes to each season, it looks like Stranger Things is on an up note. All signs are pointing to a final season for season four. And if that's the case, it's going to end out on such a great note because season three despite New Coke being prominently featured, as I think it was a troll by the Duffer Brothers, but it is season three available now on Netflix. You got to catch it because it is definitely the talk of pop culture. Before we head to a break and our first interview with Anthony Barbarin on the latest going on in NBA free agency with KD and Kawhi, I want to ask you, my friend, did you get to see what's going on with the news when in regards to Spider-Man Far From Home and it hitting almost $600 million in its first six days of worldwide release? I have not, but that's awesome. Good, good. Because I, my, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, but like my hope is Spider Man's an amazing superhero. So I mean, my hope would be that we get a lot more. Pardon the pun movies. there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. No, but my hope would be that we get a lot more Spider Man movies down the line. And like, let's face it too. Like, Spider Man is an easy entry point for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? If you're not really into superheroes, or you, you know, you can't. Like Iron Man's more complicated, but if you're like a new fan, 
Spider-Man's the perfect entry point because all you really got to do is watch Homecoming and then the Captain America. So just the movies that Spider-Man is in gives you enough backstory on the character without having to go and watch 20 movies. That's true. That's true. But it is a great sign because I'm going to be honest with you. While I said over the air that, you know, there would be a 150 to $200 million debut over the course of the six day period for Spider-Man far from home, the way the box office has trended overall this year, I expected it to be under the expectations of most analysts out there. And that to me was something when it actually hit and exceeded with many people, the expectations going, like I said, almost $600 million, about 580 actually, when it comes to worldwide box office and over 180, which is here in the US. That's a good sign. And at least people are going back to certain pictures. And I think that goes back to our conversation in regards to Marvel. When people have faith in a product, they'll go back to it time and time again, no matter the circumstances or no matter what's going on in the box office world. So yeah, I think it just is reliance now that people are satisfied with the Marvel product. And once that Marvel flashes on screen, that means that people are going to come and have at least some type of faith that they're going to get a good movie out of it. I mean, I, I don't know how much Marvel's involved in like the Sony or how much they were involved in the Fox flicks before they bought them. But, you know, Marvel has a certain standard. And when you go to see Marvel films, you know that you're going to get that standard, which is nice. And especially when it comes to something like Spider-Man, too, though they kind of have a raw deal out of the whole Spider-Man thing. There, there's still uh, that Marvel seal of approval on it, you know, just to, that qual the quality that you're going to get from a Marvel film. So, you know, my hope would be that we'd see a lot more Spider-Man films in the future. And honestly, like, what if Spider-Man ends up being like Avengers, right? Where people go and see it multiple times. That could be something that hasn't really ever happened before with a standard Marvel flick outside of Avengers Endgame. And hopefully people will go ahead and continue to see this through the summer. And maybe it will be the first Spider-Man movie that achieves that $1 billion status. It's still kind of up in the air. We'll see how it is. Like I said before, in its second week of release, we'll see where it stands. We'll actually get a good idea where it's going to go ahead and fall because we've seen with most of the Spider-Man movies, they seem to fall right between the 750 to 850, even close to $900 million mark, but none have gone over that $900 million as of yet worldwide. But this could be the first one because, at, like I said, in its first six days of release, $580 million. That's a great start for Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, it's going to be, like I said, a great episode we've got coming up for you right after the break. We've got Anthony Barberin giving us an update on what's going on with KD and Kawhi in NBA free agency. Then right after that, we've got Jessica Boggs from the TVRainsGuide.com. She's going to give us our July TV update. And then after that, Daphne Matthew steps in to talk about the ending of the comic book series, The Walking Dead, and how that could affect the landscape of the whole Walking Dead universe. And then backing up all on the end is us. We're coming back at the end of the show to talk about the biggest games of this generation. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single player campaign, 
Retro Classic, or Battle Royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a VitaBrace gaming wristband, or use the code buy one get one, and it's buy one get one free. That's right, just use the code VitaBrace50 or buy and the number one get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VitaBrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. VitaBrace, win with it. All right, and we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos and Inside Sports. It is the time again for NBA free agency. So many fresh faces in different places, and there's so much going on. There's been some major news going on, especially within recent days. And here to talk with me now is our NBA man in the know. It's Anthony Barberin. And Anthony, First off, it's a great time for you and I both indeed as a resurgence of L.A. basketball is now close at hand. Yeah, absolutely. Got the news that Kawhi was coming and Paul George as well. And the Clippers didn't give up. Some people say they did, but I I don't think they gave up a whole lot to get them. I mean, five future first round picks, they're most likely all going to be at the end of the first round. And you get Kawhi Leonard, you get. Paul George, and you keep Landry Shamit, you keep Jerome Robinson, you keep Montrez Harrell, you keep Lou Williams, you remove Gallinari's contract, you lose Shea Gilders Alexander, who I think they drafted him to be a tradable asset in the first place, and you get two of the top five MVP candidates this year. Paul George seemed to have had the best year of his career. Kawhi finals MVP, won a championship. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see. I haven't felt this good about my team since, you know, draft night 2009. So I'm, I'm feeling real good. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being a contender for an NBA championship this year. Well, they are right now in Las Vegas, the pick to go ahead and go all the way in the NBA, surpassing the Lakers with their Anthony Davis move, which was one of the major moves of the offseason I agree with you right now. With the Clippers, you've got to put them at the forefront as far as the favorites are concerned. And I told you before off camera that I'm so happy in a way for your organization because as a Lakers fan who has seen so many people as far as that are fans of my team, the Los Angeles Lakers, just be so ravaged and so bullying so and so mean to the Clippers – now, part of it's deserved because of the incompetence for so many years as far as the organization is concerned. But even in the days of when Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and where they weren't going as far as you and I both probably thought that they should go in the hierarchy as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, it's good to see them have a chance now, not only just a chance, but to be the favorite it's almost 50 years of an organization, but it looks like that they will finally get out of the NBA second round of the playoffs, which they've never done before. This is a team that has unfortunately just year after year after year found ways not to get it done. And it looks like now they have a great shot in doing so. So as an organization, I'm happy for you and happy for the Clippers. And I think there is a lot of great signs going ahead. They've got a lot of depth still, even after the trade. 
the future, like you said, with the draft picks for both the Lakers and Clippers for what both gave away in regards to that. And you're hoping that the Lakers and Clippers will continuously be successful. So there'll be just no more than late round picks, but for the future going forward, it looks very good, at least in the short term for both the Lakers and the Clippers. And they're both strong contenders now for the NBA championship. And with that, there's also another major free agency pickup or two that really changed the face of what's going on within the Western and Eastern conference. We talked a little bit about Kawhi and Paul George going to the Clippers. We've talked a little bit about Anthony Davis coming and teaming with LeBron, creating that dynamic in the Western Conference that will look really strong for both teams coming up here in the playoffs. But I want to ask you first about one of the other big moves as far as free agency is concerned, and that is the Brooklyn Nets getting both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Obviously, with Kevin Durant's injury, this season is probably not going to look as good. But going forward, down the road, two, three years down the line, this could really be a team that will probably have its say in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I have Brooklyn on my list as one of my five winners in the offseason. I think you have to give it to them simply because of who they got. I don't know how well those two fit together with that team or the organization, how they come together around those two, but just the haul of those two players and the caliber players that they are, you have to give Brooklyn the nod as far as being on the plus side of this offseason. You get Kevin Durant, who's won two of the last three championships, two of the last three finals MVPs. He's one of the all-time greats. You get Kyrie, who's got an NBA championship, been to the finals a few times, has hit big shots in the playoffs. His Boston run didn't go well, but, you know, he's still a premier point guard in the league. So you add those two players, you you lose D'Angelo Russell, a younger, cheaper option, but you get Kyrie. So you add that. I mean, I think this is a wash year for Kevin Durant, which he might not even step on the court, which could net you, if I'm not missing anything, a, a high draft pick in the draft so that when Kevin Durant comes back, you have a young guy that you can team up with that will push them forward in next season as opposed to this upcoming season. If Durant was healthy this year, you would put them close to the top of the Eastern Conference because a, a few of these other teams that were up there, you know, have slid down the mountain, so to speak. So Brooklyn is in a great spot. I think they did really well. They're, they're definitely in my uh, top five. I still think they're going to be a playoff team simply because of the fact that that tail end of the Eastern Conference is so weak. And that's something I think we'll go and touch on a little bit in our five winners and losers as far as it's coming up right here for you. But you're right. The future does look better for the Eastern Conference. Do they still match up with teams like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nuggets or Portland or Utah or Houston? I'm not so sure. But with Kevin Durant coming back, you know, from an Achilles injury like that, I would still say two years down the line, not this season, not next season, but the season after that, if they go ahead and surround those two with a good supporting cast, I think you'll have to consider Brooklyn to be a strong play from the Eastern Conference because, like you said, with the moves that they made, they're going ahead and looking towards the future as far as two, three years down the line. It all depends on Kevin Durant's health and how soon he can come back to at or near full strength as far as his health is concerned. I think that is the key for them going forward. But you're right, probably this season is going to be a wash, maybe a 
bottom tier playoff team at the most. But yes, the future is looking pretty good for Brooklyn. And it definitely is looking good for your Clippers, who right now, again, are the favorites. The Lakers also had a strong play. But I tell you what, my friend, it's always great to hear your voice when it comes to the NBA. Kind of differing opinions on Philadelphia. I still think they're going to be very strong. I still think they've got a chance, especially with the losses in the Eastern Conference, to go ahead and make some waves. But we will save that and we will table that for NBA preview coming up here in a couple months or less. It's coming around the corner. I'm going to tell you what, this offseason goes by so quickly. We were just ending the season. We're talking about the NBA finals. Then we're talking about the draft. And now we're talking about NBA free agency. Did we get like a month off? I think we get like a break in August. And then it's right back to it. Training camp start. And the speculation begins, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Preseason is is where it's going to be a lot of fun to watch when we get to that point. You'll be able to see a little bit of, you know, your new players, especially if you've got new players that, you know, that that's one of the things that your team is established and, you know, preseason is not a big deal. But when you got new guys coming on the roster, new stars, that's that's what you want to see. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for that and uh, excited to talk about that. You know, we should have said the biggest winner of the offseason was the owner of the Staples Center, because yeah. that place is going to be rocking every single game, rest assured. But it is Anthony Barber, our man to know when it comes to the NBA. If you have any questions for him or me when it comes to the NBA for this upcoming season, whether it's fantasy basketball related, whether it's your opinion you want to share with us in regards to what's going on in the league, please share with us. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, Game Source, and Inside Sports on all our social media we can go ahead and we'd love to hear from you and we'll go ahead and make sure we respond right back to you. Well, my friend, it's going to be a great season upcoming. I cannot wait for it. Give you a couple months rest to, you know, just take, catch your breath, but you go ahead and as well plan everything out because your Clippers, they did so well in the off season and it's been a tremendous, exciting, well worth talking about off season. I just can not wait for the NBA season to come up. It's just so wonderful to to have this kind of action take place. All these new faces in changing places. It's just so awesome to see. Thanks so much, Anthony. It's always great to have you part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. And coming up next, we've got Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com with her July TV update and what's going on in the TV world right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. We are back at the show once again. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here with a July TV update. And just because it's the summer months doesn't mean there isn't any news going on in the world of television. 
And as always, here to bring us up to date on what's going on in the TV world is my good friend. She is the lead writer or one of the lead writers of the awesome site you got to check out today when it concerns the TV ratings world. It's the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great things that they're doing today. It's original programming, ratings news with daily updates, reviews of shows, and so much more. It is the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check it out today. It is Jessica Boggs. Jessica, so great to have you back on the show. I know we got a lot to talk about when it comes to summer months and TV programming. There's a lot going on, especially in premieres and in the month of July. That's awesome. So let's focus in on some of the things that you want to talk about right now. And we'll start off with the broadcast networks because it always inevitably starts off with the broadcast networks because that seems to be where a great bit of the news happens. We'll start off with ABC right now. I know there's some really good things going on there as far as updates that you want to give as far as their summer programming. I think ABC focuses the most on summer programming, but that could be just a me thing. I don't know how you feel about it, but like I said, I think ABC focuses a great deal on its summer programming. Well, recently we got the ratings, especially their Thursday night lineup. We got Holy Moly so far is hitting a little bit while family food fight and the new drama reef break was a huge miss i miss wipeout i think that show should have stayed on the air i think that show did have an audience consistently year in year out holy moly i guess to an extent it's executive produced by stephen curry and all that and it does have some elements of the wipeout type feel but doesn't quite fill that niche entirely, but it does a great job of being unique in and of itself as combining miniature golf type theme with the Wipeout series. So I'm happy for them. I know Family Food Fight, like you said, has been mainly a miss so far. But I also want to talk about one of the biggest losers right now going on in the summer programming, and that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's been airing on Friday nights for quite some time, and it's been hitting consistently at 0.2, 0.3 in the ratings, but mostly 0.3. Even Quantico did not hit that. And that's not good at all, especially for something that has had such good vibes as far as on the big screen for obviously Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, and now Spider-Man Far From Home, which have all hit for Marvel this summer. And now you have something with the Marvel tagline, which unfortunately, even with the changes in storyline to Coulson's character, you know, how he's developed into some type of doppelganger type deal and, and all that's going on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's not connected with audiences or any type of bounce back. I think that show is on its last legs. I just think Marvel has a great fondness for it. That's why they'd never want to really pull the plug. But unfortunately, I think at some point in time, there's got to be a push comes to shove type deal with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it comes to keeping them on the air. I know you got a lot to talk about when it comes to CBS. I know there's a lot of reality TV programming that they fall back on during the summer months. So bring us up to date with what's going on with CBS. So Love Island this week is premiering and. We at the TV Ratings Guide, we did a collaborative with contributors, and we predicted that Love Island is going to be a miss. Some of the highlights on it, that the target audience is completely different from 
regular CBS shows. And one of our contributors said, this has all the ingredients to work on MTV. And Big Brother is the exception, not the rule. Do you think they're taking some notes from their, I guess what you could say, their related cousin in MTV because it is all part of the Viacom network? They're currently having merger talks with Viacom, home of MTV at the moment. And we'll see how that goes. But for now, I don't know if CBS's audience is going to watch it, especially since we've seen from Paradise Hotel, they've tried airing it every night, almost five nights a week. Love Island is going to be aired like five nights a week. And the results on Fox has been disastrous for Paradise Hotel. But there's still other things. You talked about Instinct, I think uh, you wanted to go ahead and, and mention too. Plus Elementary is in its final season. One of my favorite shows. I feel like Instinct right now at the moment is literally doing a whole lot worse than Elementary as currently airing on a Thursday night, but not that much. And its premiere rating for Instinct was terrible, kind of like ransom level on a Saturday night, except it's on a Sunday night. Elementary is doing okay for its final season. Unfortunately, it's going to be on the way out for fans like me, but I think it's it's already had its years. So I think it's it's something that I'll remember fondly as a pretty good show and something that I like to go back to time and time again. But there are other great networks out there that you want to go ahead and update us on. What's going on with NBC? Because we talked about ABC, we talked about CBS, but you can't go without the quote-unquote big three, as we used to say in the past. It's NBC. I know they like to go ahead and base a lot of their stuff off of competition shows such as American Ninja Warriors, such as Bring the Funny and Hollywood Game Night. Yeah, Bring the Funny and Hollywood Game Night, they're premiering this week. And I don't know how Bring the Funny is going to do at that moment as it looks like a carbon copy of Last Comic Standing. And Songland just did okay, even after America's Got Talent. But there's also America Ninja Warrior, which I know has been a staple of summer programming for NBC. Your thoughts on how it's performing at this point in time for the network? Well, the whole entire network has been down ratings-wise considerably, but we got American Ninja Warrior now on fractionals, though, and that's because the whole network is down. And at this point in time in 2019, high fractionals are okay to some extent, there's kind of like a part where you just need to retool the whole entire thing just for the cost to go down a little bit. Well, that doesn't sound very good for NBC, which is coming off another great fall season for them. And it's something that as the current number one network on broadcast television, any type of flaw in the armor per se is is not a very good one for them. So Let's see if they can go ahead and turn that around either later in July, August, or when it comes to back to another fall season for them. You've got Fox still there, still trying to go ahead and make their way through into that whole limelight when it comes to the broadcast networks. What are they doing for the summer months and how's it going for them? It's mostly hit and miss. While their game show, Spin the Wheel, is pretty much okay, like in high fractionals. That's pretty good for Fox. But you recently have a new show that's on Sunday nights called What Just Happened with Fred Savage. And that premiered to like a point two. And even on Fox, that's a disaster. 
Like it's literally on CW level ratings. And that's typically for a show that's CBS produced on the CW at that high level. And what just happened marks as the lowest rated show on Fox right now. And for that, for a premiere, that's a disaster. No, that's not good at all. That's not good at all indeed. Once again, I have Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out her awesome work today on that side, plus all the other great work that's there as well. We cannot leave when it comes to the broadcast networks without, like you mentioned before, real briefly, the CW. So there's always something going on with the CW. I want to hear an update what's going on with the CW when it comes to their summer programming and how it's faring at this point in time in the year. Well, CW recently did a premiere date shuffle with the horror stories and Bulletproof and Bulletproof moving to like August 7th while the horror stories one moved to a later time from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Plus also with like the cheap summer imports, I'm guessing with the performance of Burden of Truth, I'm guessing moving the premiere date of Bulletproof must have given it some pause because Burden of Truth is not exactly doing well. And we did a collaborative on their CW strategy, which we basically said like the CW basically renewing everything at the moment in that it's notable that originals are being tried in the summer on Sundays at 8 p.m. And they're not doing too well there. Burden of Truth at the moment is getting rounded up point ones and once dragged down a rerun of the show Supernatural to the infamous point zero adults 1849 rating ouch indeed that is getting very ugly for the cw trying very hard to get that 0, 0.0 once again oh it just never seems to go right for the cw sometimes i ask myself how does that network stay in business i don't get it sometimes i just don't understand i mean is it actually profitable for this network to stay on the air sometimes i'm not even sure but you know what well, it's basically they're in cheap import it is cheap, all right. It is cheap, but uh, <laughs> it's getting cheaper all the time with 0.0s out there and 0.1s because that's not a good sign for any network, including the CW, because I know the ratings have always been small, but this is getting minuscule. And when it goes that far, they've got to be asking themselves, what is the future of the CW if that's the case? The Netflix deal at the moment, they're trying to phase this out. At a certain point, it seems like they should start canceling some shows because based on current linear ratings overall, there has got to be a ratings limit if Warner Brothers moves forward with its new streaming service. And that is still up in question because you've seen the news like I have after the issues with Swamp Thing and them deciding to go ahead and, and recalibrate and rethink about what they want to do with the DC streaming service. That has not been exactly the biggest hit in the world for Warner Brothers with the sudden cancellation of the Swamp Thing and all the other stuff that's going on. Even though there's been some pretty good shows that have appeared on the DC streaming service, it has been disappointing. So we're going to see how that melds into a possible larger Warner Brothers streaming service. But still, the CW is having some hard times and really, the future of the CW, it has to be in question at some point in time in the near future because of the fact that they're just getting continually 
minuscule ratings and they're not going up, they're still either at or below what they're even doing before. TV watching at this point in time in 2019 is so much different than what it was before, even 10 years ago, even 20 years ago. So I'll tell you what, it's just great to see so many different options out there for people, but it's always an awesome chance to get to talk to you, my friend. Once again, it's Jessica Boggs. You got to check out her awesome work today on the TVRatingsGuide.com. Thanks so much, Jessica. As always, it's great to have you part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. And coming up next, we've got Daphne Matthew here on the show from the Talking Dead 18 Plus and the Walking Dead fan base. She's going to be talking about the end of the Walking Dead comics and where that leaves the TWD universe. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. You like listening to knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do? Wilbur does, don't you, Wilbur? But what about Daisy? She likes to listen to shows about pop culture, movies, television, and comic books. Good thing Wilbur and Daisy found the Nerd Bliss Podcast. You, too, can find the Nerd Bliss Podcast at nerdblisspodcast.com and on the ESO Network. Just remember, Nerd Bliss is one word. All right, and we're back with the program. Once again, it's Gerald coming right back at you here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. You know what? It is a defining week for The Walking Dead. I got a little bird that told me ahead of time that there was going to be a big announcement when it comes to The Walking Dead comic series. I got a little bit of lead time on it, and sure enough, the next day, The Walking Dead comic series this past week announced that with issue 193 would be ending its famous comic book series that the whole Walking Dead universe derives from. A very interesting and somewhat shocking turn as a lot of TWD fans out there were caught off guard by it. But someone who wasn't caught off is that little bird that told me that advanced word ahead of time. She's the curator of two awesome TWD fan sites on Facebook. It's the Walking Dead fan base and Talking the Dead 18 plus. You got to catch both those fan groups today on Facebook, if you're really into The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and also as well, The Walking Dead comic book series. Daphne, it's always great to have you a part of the show, and please give us an update on what's going on with the death or the ending of The Walking Dead comic book series. As you probably realize, the, the Walking Dead universe was actually pretty shook up this week. Robert Kirkman had decided to end the comics the upcoming issue that was just released on the 5th, Comic 193. A lot of people are in disbelief, which is surprising because for those who read the comics, you know that Rick Grimes was killed off in Comic 192. And that was a very surprising death. I mean, it was rumored that Kirkman was bound to kill off Rick eventually, but we didn't see it coming that the Andrea was killed off because Andrea was killed off in 168 and then Rick Grimes was killed off by the leader's son of the Commonwealth. Pamela Martin was actually the leader of the Commonwealth and her teenage son Sebastian killed him in comic 192 and then Carl 
actually put Walker Rick down in the same comic. So it was kind of surprising that after that happened, that it ended suddenly. I mean, it ended appropriately with the way he summed up The Walking Dead. It's been leaning towards that realization that the walkers were not the threat. It's human nature itself. He ended it up nicely, but nobody expected to see it happen so suddenly after Rick Grimes was killed off in the comics. Well, it is over for the series, and that's going to be a big question now, is where does The Walking Dead go from here? Because you have also as well, Denai Guerrilla also is leaving the show at some point in time in the near future. You have talk about Fear the Walking Dead and its ratings going a little bit here, a little bit there, and the series itself is in question as far as its longevity. You still have another Walking Dead series that's supposedly on the way coming in 2020. And of course, you have the main series, The Walking Dead, also going on possibly maybe through, like we've talked before, maybe one, maybe two more seasons at most. But with the end of The Walking Dead comic series, what does that do as a whole to The Walking Dead universe? It's a big hit to the universe. The Walking Dead itself as a show always leaned on the comics for its main storyline. One of the things that I didn't address yet was that in the comics, Maggie actually became president of the New World. So, I mean, out of the remaining characters that are on The Walking Dead, it could be possible that that be given to Aaron because he's still around. The rumor mill is rampant right now with season 10 deaths. Season 10, we're going to see a lot of familiar characters leave the show, besides Deny. There are rumors going around that Ezekiel will die. There's rumors going around that Eugene will die. There are rumors going around that Gabriel will die. So a lot of the characters that we have known since I'll say now, because the only two main characters from the first season that are still alive and on the show... Now, we still have Morgan in fear, but on the main show, we only have Daryl and Carol. So it seems like now they're getting rid of a lot of the characters from season four that were introduced. And now we're going to be left with pretty much, I'll say, unfamiliar characters that they really haven't created a story arc for, which was a lot of the problems in the last two seasons. People are trying to keep a positive upbeat, but the general feeling is that now with this sudden end to the comics, that it's only a matter of time before the flagship show ends. Fear the Walking Dead. I'm going to be honest. I have watched Fear the Walking Dead since it first came out, but it's time to give it a mercy killing. I'm thinking that Freer is going to end really soon. I think this may be the last season. I mean, right now, it's just people are still in shock. People are still in disbelief. I guess this is going to go on just like when Kong got killed off on the show. It went on for pretty much a year. Nobody believed he was dead because they didn't see him die. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, did Kirkman pull a fast one? I don't believe it. I think he really was set in ending the comics because he just felt that he didn't have any more to give as far as the comics. He kind of thought that if he pushed the envelope too far, people would lose interest. 
So he decided that this was his swan song. And that's pretty sad because I would have liked to see, and I guess a lot of readers would like to see, how Paul eventually resolved within himself between having to put his father down and grow up in a world without his father who had been so integral to him throughout the comics. Daphne, it's always great talking to you, my friend. And again, I know you got a lot of things planned going on still for the Walking Dead universe when it comes to Talking the Dead 18 Plus and the Walking Dead fan base. Thanks so much again, as always, to updating us on what's going on with the Walking Dead. And coming up next, we're going to close out the show with Josh and I talking about the biggest selling games of this generation of consoles. What are some of the games that have defined this generation? What are some of the most interesting things that came out from the list from the MPD? We'll share our thoughts and more. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're being played at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on radio, plus also as well, we're on virtually every major podcast app. Check out our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you'll get a whole big listing of all the radio stations that we're on, including our friends at Bandon Community Radio, KBOG 97.9 FM. Just truly a great job that they do out there. Awesome, awesome people indeed. So you want to check out their awesome station, Bandom Community Radio, KBOG 97.9 FM. Plus also want to give a big shout out as far as on the podcasting end to our great friends of Pondbean. And Josh, if you want to check out great podcasts this summer, did you get a chance to see that we're one of the featured podcasts there in their latest blog on podbean.com? Yeah, I saw. I was pleasantly surprised that that popped up with us. But yeah, if you guys find the article on Facebook, share it, please. We greatly appreciate that. Absolutely, we would. If you get a chance, also follow us as well. We're over 1,350 followers on Podbean alone, and we've got many other followers everywhere else. So we truly appreciate you listening into our show and following us. And check us out again. We're one of the featured podcasts of summer for Podbean, and we cannot thank them enough for allowing us to be a part of that great list. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I want to thank Anthony Barberin. I also want to thank Daphne Matthew and, of course, Jessica Boggs. You want to check out all the great stuff that they're doing as far as Daphne Matthew when it comes to Talking the Dead 18 Plus and the Walking Dead fan base. And, of course, Jessica Boggs at the TVRatingsGuide.com. Before we head on out, we got to talk about the list that was just produced last week by the MPD on the biggest games of this generation, my friend. I'll tell you what, it is a very interesting list when it comes down to it. So I want to ask you your thoughts on the biggest selling games of this generation. And that includes Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. I'm going to run it down real quickly right now. When it comes to the Nintendo Switch, so far, the top 10 
is Mario Kart 8 at number one, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate number two, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at three, Super Mario Odyssey number four, Super Mario Party at number five, Splatoon 2 at number six, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu at number seven, and Let's Go Eevee at number eight, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which to me is a big surprise at number nine, and New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe at number 10. So your thoughts when you hear that top 10 list for the lifetime Nintendo Switch, some surprises and some stuff that you and I both know is going to be tried and true tested every single time. Yeah, Nintendo is not really a lot surprising there. It's all, you know, if you look at it with the exception of uh, Mario and Rabbids and Pokemon, it's all their first party title, which I guess Pokemon technically is a first party title for them. Are you disappointed that there's no third party titles on that list? I mean, it would be nice to see because they do boast about like how they, you know, the Nindies, you know, it'd be, it would have been cool to see a, a Nindy make it onto that list of some way, whether it's Celeste or, or Undertale or something like that. But no such luck. Coming up next on the list for the PlayStation 4 is Grand Theft Auto 5 at number one, Red Dead Redemption 2 at number two, Call of Duty has many slots on this list, including World War II at number three, Black Ops 4 for number four. Black Ops 3 at number 5, Marvel Spider-Man is number 6, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, which people thought was on a down note when it comes to the Call of Duty series, that's at number 7, God of War is number 8, NBA 2K18, that's 18, at number 9, and Battlefield 1 at number 10. I think the one that strikes out at me the most is that Red Dead Redemption 2 was selling well enough to achieve that number two status on PlayStation 4, but there is no game that's going to be GTA 5, which has already shipped close to 110 million units worldwide. Yes, so let's talk about this. Yeah, I mean, but Call of Duty has to dominate. It yeah. always dominates. But what? Okay, if you if you go through this list, what does this list tell you? Outside of God of War, Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption, what does this tell you? That Call of Duty still, year in, year out, still has its fans. But it's not just Call of Duty, though. It's the fact that people love games, and this is sad, people love games where you can just do nothing. They love games where you don't have to to adhere to a story, you don't have to solve puzzles, you don't have to have an attention span to play these games. Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Battlefield, NBA, you don't have to have intelligence, brains, patience. You don't have to have any of that stuff to play these games. You can just sit there and play it mindlessly. And that's cool and that's fun. And there's a time and place for games like that. But it makes me sad that we're not seeing, (laughs) you know, we're not seeing any love for story oriented games outside of God of War, which obviously shifted the mold on that and Red Dead Redemption too. It also tells me that the console war is not based on the things that I thought it was. You know, I thought that it was based on exclusives, and that's what everyone makes it seem like it is, but it's not. You look at this list, again, God of War, Spider-Man, only two console exclusives. You know, we'll get to the Xbox One one in a second. But there it gets a lot worse. It does get a lot worse, but it just it goes to show you, though, it's like if if there were five console exclusives on this list, that would be a whole other situation itself. But there's not that many. So people don't care about console exclusives as much as they you think they do. It's just a reason for Sony fanboys to talk trash on Microsoft. And that's a story that's been repeated over and over again. At least Sony can say they've got a couple spots on this list. And I think there is a glaring omission or two when it comes to the Xbox One list. Because at number one, again, it's GTA 5. 
Number two, three, and four are still Call of Duty titles in World War II, Black Ops 3, and Black Ops 4. Number five is Red Dead Redemption 2. Number six is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Number seven is Battlefield 1, making the top 10 on both lists for Xbox One and PS4. Number eight is Star Wars Battlefront. Number nine is Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, which, again, was an even a more down note for Call of Duty, and that's on the list now. And number 10 was Destiny 2. And I think when it comes to the Destiny 2, but also as well the Star Wars series, a lot of people, especially on the PlayStation side, where it was heavily marketed, both Star Wars Battlefront and the Destiny series didn't hit or connect on the PlayStation 4 to even make the list on that platform, and it barely made the list on the Xbox One platform. So it shows the epic failure by EA and also as well to an extent Activision because there were such big, huge plans for Star Wars and Destiny to create a dent into that Call of Duty GTA juggernaut, and they both couldn't get it done. Yeah, yeah, and you know we've seen plenty of articles popping out here about you know EA and their perception and all the stuff like that. But you know this surprises me too. You know what? What are we have zero? No, how many we have? We don't have any. No console exclusives. Well, no console exclusives. So Xbox lovers, they don't have anything to chirp about. I mean, we talk about PlayStation Four fanboys talking about this, talking about that. They might have the better array of exclusives, but like you said, it comes down to people are not buying these systems because the exclusives on both the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One end, because PlayStation 4, they're barely even registering in the top 10 all time with their exclusives, and Xbox One is not even coming close. Yeah, I mean, Xbox, I don't even think Xbox One released any last year, or the, no, not last year. But well, but we're talking about Gears of War 4, we're talking yeah. about the Forza series, we're talking about anything that Xbox has produced for the Xbox One is not registered in the top 10. No, and that, like we were talking about a second ago, like it just goes to show you people aren't interested in the exclusives. They're not buying these consoles for the exclusives, unlike Switch, which is everything pretty much is an exclusive outside the EA games. But we're in an era of casual gaming, and that's what we're seeing with these lists. We're seeing the Call of Duties, Grand Theft Auto, we're seeing Star Wars Battlefront, Destiny 2. Like these are all games that are they're not exclusive to anything, and they're they're the games that people come home, play after work for a few hours, turn off, go to bed, come back to it the next day. It's not anything people sit there and grind on for four or five hours a day, like we used to see back in you know the PlayStation One and Nintendo 64 days. Right, and that's the case now with what's going on with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Whereas it's a completely different story with a Nintendo Switch where it is heavily dependent and reliant on console exclusives to drive the sales for that console. But it's interesting for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, it's not. Just a very strange dichotomy in the video game marketplace scene when it comes to this current generation of systems. Will it transpire over the course of the next generation as the PlayStation 5 whatever the next Xbox is called, and whatever the Nintendo Switch evolves into in the next generation. We'll have to wait and see. What are your thoughts on everything we talked about when it comes to the console generations, top-selling video games, Stranger Things Season 3, Spider-Man Far From Home, NBA Free Agency, the end of the Walking Dead comic series, or what's going on in the world of television? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And if you enjoy the interviews from today's program with Anthony Barbarin and Jessica Boggs, 
you'll get a chance to enjoy them in their entirety this week on our Pop Culture Cosmos channels, available everywhere you can get your podcasts. Well, it's been a great episode. I want to thank everybody for being part of it once again. Any last thoughts on the way out? Because I know a great episode is coming up on Friday where we're going to talk about not only a release date for your book, Congratulations, You Suck, but everything going on in the world of pop culture. Sometime during the week, we'll have to discuss the Mulan trailer. But yeah, I think we're covered. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was very interesting. But you know what? Share your thoughts on the way out. It, it looks good. It looks very gritty, which is something we have not seen from one of these live action films yet. It doesn't have the kitty feel, you know, like Aladdin felt and like Lion King sort of feels and like Jungle Book feels. It feels like something that adults would enjoy too. Like, because you can't tell the story of Mulan without some kind of violence in it, right? Because it is a story revolving around war. I'm in, man. I'm in. Like, it looks really cool. So far, the social media reaction is very positive towards it. And I'm looking forward to seeing more great things when it comes to Disney and Mulan coming up here in early 2020 when it arrives in theaters. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.